Thanks for tuning in to What is the Point? This podcast is tailored for those navigating their 20s and 30s who want to end up somewhere on purpose. We promise to keep the conversation real and honest as we ask ourselves this question. What's the point in all the different facets of our life? It's our desire that you would gain practical handles to these deeper questions we ask ourselves every single day. So with that being said, let's hop into this week's episode of What is the Point? Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to What's the Point podcast. We're here with John Martz and the one, the only, Jody G. Glazner. Dow. Come on now. Oh, I'm a Dow now. Come on now. I'm still in like the mode where I was DJing. Oh, wow. It's fine. It's only bad. been 15 months. I apologize. <laughs> no big deal. Wow. Bryce, come <laughs> oh, on. Dow. D-D-D-D-Dow. Yeah. I, I really thought Chuck might take your last name, but he did not. Hey, I really so. went for it, though. You did. I went for it, at least. Proud of you. I got the first name. Confidence is key. I love it. All right. And we are here in a back room at the Dream Center uh, talking to you guys about something that is really exciting, old and new. And so I kind of want to break down this topic, John. Uh, Someone, you lead it. You do it. You do it. You do it. Okay. 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 I gotcha. All right. Um, So so one of these things that we get uh, a lot when we talk to those in their 20s and 30s is um, someone gets saved maybe later on in life. And uh, they ask, man, how do I blend my old life and my new life? And do I just keep it completely separate? Do I cut off old friends that maybe aren't healthy? Um, uh, do like, like, what do I do? Do I actually now like go try to save them? Like what, what, what is my mission throughout this process and how do I navigate this in the right way? Because clearly in the past I haven't, and I'm a little bit nervous about being around my friends who know my past, who know me and could probably call out some things in my life too. Um, it's just difficult. It's messy. There's a lot of different things. And even if you weren't saved later on in life, there's still this, this is still pretty prevalent with most of us. Yeah, and I think we see it a lot this time of year when you are spending more time maybe in your hometown or without your regular schedule. So you Mm -hmm. have more time off work, you're around your family, you're around that quote-unquote where you came from. And so it is that question of if this is where I came from but it's not maybe who I am anymore, how do I balance that? Yeah, and and it's kind of two parts. So let's start with that one because I know there's a lot of, yeah, new people to their faith and um, this is the time of year where it's easy to slip back into those bad habits because you're around um, maybe some past friends and you have some past relationships that it's easy to go back to. Um, How do you navigate what's okay, what's not okay, and keep living your life on mission for God? Yeah, listen, when I would go home, college breaks. You know, that was my first time moving away from home. I lived about two and a half hours away from where I went to school. And when I would go home, I would sometimes feel so bad. And we talked about this on a previous episode that when I go home to see my family, I have a hard time even wanting to go spend time with my friends. So I had maybe an easier time balancing some of the growth I was experiencing at college because my way of coping with it was just like, okay, I won't see any of you. But then there was also New Year's Eve of what do we all do for New Year's Eve every year. And so there were some years that I'm like, I'm just going to stay at home with my mom and do a puzzle. Oh, yeah. One, because I feel guilty leaving my mom. And two, because then I don't have to be faced with making any choices. And puzzle party. Puzzle party. <laughs> we used to do that all the time. And so I probably didn't make myself learn this lesson until much later. 
when, because in college, I, I literally would just escape it by trying to hide. And I know you've talked about that a little bit, John, that sometimes that's how going home feels for you. But I think for me, it would even be those text message conversations or, you know, I would still talk to my friends when I'm at home and we, I'd pretend like I was going to go hang out with them. And then last minute I'd be like, oh, never mind, I'm not coming because I'm going to do a puzzle with my mom or watch a Hallmark movie. Yeah. But Was it a fear of like getting pulled into something you didn't want to go back to or just not wanting to be around? No, I that? literally, my parents are like the most precious people in the world and I would feel guilty leaving them every time. Like they're so cool. I'm like, yeah. ugh. I've spent 18 years going to school with you guys, you know, growing up. And I actually, I think part of it though, was realizing for me, how do I want to spend my time now Mm -hmm. of, I didn't need to spend my time with friends that I had because of childhood and my friends that I had, because they were truly friends, then we were figuring out like, okay, they would come over and hang out with me and my parents. And the next day I'd go hang out with them and their parents because we were all coming home. So I think some of it was just deciding what's important to me in this season And it's not that those people weren't important. It's just I'm like, man, when I'm weighing, I've only got 10 days at home or five days at home. How do I want to spend them? So Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I probably feel a lot similar just because of our backgrounds. They match. We both have probably been saved most of our lives. Right. Um, And so even blending old new friends – I mean, there's probably not a huge temptation to go back to – a lifestyle of extravagance that we were in or addiction that we were in because we weren't really in that necessarily. Um, they're just more so people that we would say we aren't going at the same speed or in the right. same direction as. Um, Bryce, I know yours is a little bit different. Yeah, You did get saved later on in life. You actually are here in Springfield. So Yeah, it uh, is a little bit different. Tough. Yeah, because, I mean, I was in college. I was around um, – you know, the friends that I had made at the time, like weren't following Jesus, living a very different life. I was going after things that I thought were uh, really important to me at the time. I was going after a different lifestyle than what I'm living now. And so I know for me, I kind of had a transformation in college where I said, hey, this this following Jesus thing is, is real. And I want to learn more about this. And I want to be around the people who are pouring into their faith. And so as I did that, I did have to like find ways to navigate. Okay. The roommate I was living with, like he, 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 he didn't know what was going on and he wasn't like, I wasn't able to like walk through these questions that I had and, and these new people, like bringing them over. Like it it was a little different. Like I had to, to navigate that. And so, um, for me, uh, like it wasn't that I could just like remove those people from my life like it was my roommate he was like my best friend Mm -hmm. like as I was trying to hang out with these new people and pursue this this faith journey like I couldn't just say hey like bye like you're not important to me because that wasn't the case he was really really important to me but um the way that our relationship looked did change a little bit because he was still doing different things that I no longer wanted to partake in and so it wasn't that hey I'm gonna close the door we can't be friends anymore but it was like hey I communicating I'm I'm trying to grow in this way and knowing that like I might have to have a hands distance you know relationship with him where where we have a little bit of space and um that just the dynamic changed for me through all of that and so yeah you're bringing up a good tension point because there's a lot of different things that you know we, we either talk about in our faith and and there's all it's almost like there's only two options you cut them off or you know, 
hopefully you don't get pulled down with them. And those yeah. are kind of the two options people talk about. And, well, man, I just really need to separate myself, you know, because I'm called to be different. And uh, as much as I'm like, man, that can be healthy for a time, um, I, I would not separate myself from every non-Christian because uh, even the people who would call themselves ones um, – may not be the best people to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I know that's that's definitely not my advice. So how did you navigate that? Did you just, because you said you have relationships, you couldn't cut off even if you wanted to. Um, like, how did you navigate, hey, I, I have a different lifestyle, I have a different um, path and not come off as snooty or come off as, hey, I know better than you because um, I know that can be a stigma. And also balance that with, man, I know I'm not perfect. So even though I'm trying to live this lifestyle, I know this roommate could totally judge me on these things. Absolutely. How do you navigate Well, I that? think first you hit it, like you can't cut everyone off because part of that, like that might be your family, you know, that is even living a different life than you are now trying to live. And like, we can't, like, we don't have the luxury of just saying, hey, no, like you're my family, bye. Like it's the end. And I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. And so um, I would say for me, it was coming into it with, open hands and really like, um, sharing what was going on in my life with those people. And, um, they didn't necessarily have to like support it fully, but at least like, um, be happy that I was moving in that direction. And like, for me, it kind of opened a line where I could share what was going on in my life and like what was happening and how like this has really uh, helped me and it was important. And, um, I I felt like those conversations were really healthy and uh, we could kind of speak into each other's lives. But I would say if I had that conversation and someone was totally against me and was like, Hey, like, what are you doing? I'm not for this. This is weird. Like you're acting weird. You're being weird. Um, you're, you're part of a, you know, a cult, like come back, you know, at at that point, then, um, I would say I slowly removed those people from my life. But luckily at the time, like that wasn't the case for my roommate who was with me. Like he was at least understanding and somewhat supportive for me. And I, I totally believe like you are, the five people you surround yourself with. So for me in that time, like I was making sure that for the most part, I was surrounding myself with people who were encouraging me and pushing me along. Sure. Yeah. There has to be a balance. Yeah. I think maybe one of the times I saw this come into play with that tension is when I turned 21. So I had kind of two distinct friend groups in high school and even coming out of college. You know, we all that first year, you stay way more, I think, connected to who you grew up with. So we had a group of us that had grown up in homes that encouraged a relationship with Jesus. We grew up going to youth group. And there's a handful of us that grew up going to a private school where we were taught our ABCs by memory verses and scripture. So we had that group. And then we had this group of superstar athletes that because the majority of our group was athletic, we became friends. I say majority because that wasn't me. Were, were you in the superstar athletic club? No, but they let me hang out with them. <laughs> and I still don't know why. So like the captain of the football team, the star person that we had that went on to play beyond high school was one of our best friends. And his mom would throw the party for all the kids in our high school every weekend. So it we had this great boundary growing up where he knew we're great friends but we hang out at Jody's house. Jody's never coming to my house to hang out because that's a boundary for her of what she feels is safe for her to be around. 
isn't what happens at my house on the weekends. So when I turned 21, that whole group is like, oh, Jody's finally going to start drinking with us. And when I came home, they were like, okay, so we're all going out. Or when I'd go visit them at their colleges, they're like some college huge party. And I'm like, just because I'm 21, just because I can, doesn't mean that's what I desire. And I had to learn how to communicate that in a way that didn't make it sound like what they were doing was wrong and what Mm -hmm. I was doing was right, or that I'm the smart one here and you're the idiot. And so I think that's where I got to learn some of that tension of it's okay for me to say, hey, I'll go have a drink with you or I'll go hang out with you, but I'm going to leave when I decide it's time for me to leave. And I go, one of the things that will make me leave quicker is if your friends continue to ask me to drink. Because then you're not protecting me in the boundary I've set. And the minute you don't want to respect that boundary, then we're not on the same page as friends in this moment. So that's when I would leave. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, when the third person says, you're not going to drink with us, then I'm like, oh, so sorry. I got to go, guys. See ya. And I wouldn't apologize for that. So when I know, but I have to go into those situations knowing here's what allows me to stay and here's what makes me leave. So part of that was me going in, knowing that for myself and not putting that pressure on my friends because my friends can make different decisions than I am, whether I agree with them or not. So some of it was that. Some of it was me having the conversation with them of, hey, why is it that I don't want to go do this with you? And wording it in a way that doesn't damage the relationship. Because these weren't people that I needed to get rid of completely and I didn't want to remove them from my life. But I also don't want then their experience with me to just be that I'm this goody two-shoes and they can't talk about anything real. Mm-hmm. So it was just the, hey, like this at this point, I feel uncomfortable. And so that's my line. That's my boundary. And really trying to make it about myself in that moment and not about them. So not I don't think that what you're doing is right because they need to get there on their own. I think that's when it can probably get unhealthy if you come at it with the mindset or it's approached and like, hey, like what you're doing is wrong. I don't I don't agree with it and I'm gonna go over here and do my thing. Even because if it this is, is honestly. Right. Like sometimes what they're doing <laughs> sure. is totally wrong and you're like, There's no way that's right, like it's stinking illegal. You can't do that. But when you've made a change in your life and you're trying to go a certain direction, you have to be careful how you approach it with people because you have the opportunity to take this great thing that's happening in your own life and now make it hurtful towards someone else. So when we project the growth we have on somebody else, that has the opportunity to be hurtful. When we just share, hey, here's where I'm here's where I'm growing, here's where I'm being challenged. I've been challenged lately of like, why am I drinking? So am I drinking because I enjoy the taste? Am I drinking because I enjoy the company? And can those things exist without it? And when we and that, I mean if someone judges you for that way of presenting your own growth, then they're probably not the friend that's encouraging you anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that can be tough. And, and I know one of the things that I've definitely heard, cause I'm, I mean, when it comes down to this situation, there are, it, it's a situational thing. Yes. So it's based on who you're hanging out with. It's based on your convictions, your addictions, your temptations and where you lie with that. And so at the end, I, I think we'll throw out some scenarios and then walk through how we would come to some certain conclusions. But one of the main things that I kind of hear you guys saying is, is there's multiple ways to do this. And one is, you know, you can set boundaries and and you can do different things to put in place so that you know that you're good. Um, and, and most of this stems from 
respect. But what I hear a lot of, and this is what you know, we, we see Jesus do all throughout Scripture, is, I, I mean, he chose to build bridges instead of the walls. So um, we know that every choice Jesus made on earth was based on the mission to seek and save the lost. And, uh, you know, as I read the Gospels and things, I mean, Jesus went to parties. He did drink. He... Uh, he did, you know, eat rich people food. Like, he, you know, he, wait, wait, he, Jesus drank. <laughs> so Can he we clarify these, that? He did these different things, but in everything he did, it was in order to build a bridge instead of a wall. So build a relationship rather than set a boundary or divider. Because uh, anytime we get us and them, well, saved and unsaved, hey, it's, uh, you know, and that's where things can get tricky because the gap isn't between humans or those who are saved, those who aren't, those who have been to church, those who haven't, those who drink, those who don't, those who have had sex, those who haven't, like the bridge isn't between them, like the bridge is between us and God. And so we're all on a level playing field when it comes to that. But there is a fine line to toe of, man, I want to make sure I don't get pulled into those things. I want to make sure that um, I still live a lifestyle that I'm proud of and the life that I feel like I'm called to. Um, which, you know, called <laughs> in quotations, but a, a life that I see in scripture that I want to follow and I desire to have. So uh, that can be different and, and difficult. And so um, how do we know, because there, there's kind of two approaches, how do we know when we're healthy enough to start bridging, to like start building some bridges? And how do we know when we're not healthy enough and, and we might need to, you know, kind of step away and not necessarily build a wall, but, um, you know, disconnect? I think Jody mentioned it a little bit, but I think, yeah, if you have the mindset, one, that you're going to go into a situation to uh, meet people where they're at and you're going to, you know, share what's going on in your life, but that's going to lead you down a path where you're at the bar and you're five drinks in and now you're drunk and, you know, that's your way of, of doing that, then that probably is an unhealthy way to build a bridge, right? To meet people that far down where they're at and doing those things with them just so the hope that they will kind of know what's going on in your life. And I think the flip side is um, if you approach it in a way that's, hey, like you're doing this and I'm actually trying to do this and I don't want any part in what you're doing um, because because it's wrong and what I'm doing is right and you should actually probably stop doing that and come over here with me. Like that uh, intention behind um, that would, would be really unhealthy. And I would say that in those two instances, that would be not a way to build a bridge. And if that is your mindset, then um, we probably need to pause, retreat, think about the intention behind it and, and change that approach before you try to bridge that gap. Yeah, I've heard it said before, the difference between a mess and a message is time. And so sometimes it's looking at a situation being like, man, have I actually had long enough to grow in this area of my life where I can start building bridges? That sometimes we need that opportunity to work on ourselves and become confident in ourselves and the choices we're making before we can extend that bridge. But I don't think it has to be all or nothing. So just because I'm not able yet to maybe go hang out with my friends in certain places doesn't mean that I have to have every wall up. It just means that I need to stay busy on the days that they're going and doing that because I'm not quite ready to build a bridge. I also think you need to be really self-aware to know if it's coming from an addictive personality, then it's probably never safe for you to build a bridge in the same location that you can build that bridge through other ways of relationship. But if you are struggling with alcoholism, if you're struggling with addiction, 
then there are places that will never feel safe to you to be in, to be on recovery. And you need to respect that. So I don't think you have to build a bridge with your friends by going to the bar with them. I think you can build a bridge with your friends by being able to hear their stories about when they went to the bar together and being able to then find an alternative that you can invite them into in your life. So maybe where you used to go to the bar, instead you're like, hey, do you guys want to go check out this new live music venue? Because it's a safer environment for you to be in for that recovery that you're on. And sometimes we can't do that on our own. And that is where a counselor comes in really handy that can help us look at where do you need to set a boundary. It's where uh, mentorship can be helpful. It's where reading the book Boundaries by, I think it's Henry Cloud, can really help us to know that these are areas of our life that we always need to protect a little bit more because of what we're dealing with. But bridges don't have to mean looking life looking the exact same way it did. Bridges mean that there's an opening, there's a flow of communication, there's a flow of relationship, and that there's a point of connection. So that's what a bridge is. A bridge isn't everything needs to look the same as before, I just act differently in that moment. A bridge just means like, are we still building relationship? So it doesn't have to be about the place as much as it is the people. Yeah, and and actually just really caring about those people and showing that. And I think what you said, like taking the time to sit down, listen to their story, talk to them outside of those situations that may be unhealthy. I mean, I think that shows that you care and, and not coming from a place of like, I care because I'm righteous or, but like you just genuinely care about that person and your, your friend. (laughs) And I mean, the older we get, I mean, Jonathan and I are getting old at this point. You're not as much. I am. I am getting old. None of us are old. But life changes. Like the way we hang out with our friends now looks different than the way we hung out with our friends a decade ago. So part of that's you have a baby. So you guys hang out differently right now because you have a kid to take into consideration. And so you're like, ah, you know what? We probably hang out more like at our homes or at places like that than just out and about like used to. For Chuck and I, we hang out with our friends. We meet them at restaurants. We meet them at coffee. I mean, I, most of my friends are like, Hey, do you want to go? This is how lame we are. Like you want to go for a walk and talk and we go get coffee. And then we go for a a walk around the park because we're old and fat and out of shape. And we're like, Oh, we really want to hang out, but we also need to walk off this coffee we're drinking. So it is okay for the way you bridge relationships with people to also start to look differently Mm -hmm. in what you're wanting. Cause life will change like that anyway. I like that. So uh, kind of what you're saying is because, hey, when is it good to jump back into a relationship that you've cut off? When is it good to, uh, you know, when is it okay to uh, go hang out with those friends that maybe you're like, man, there could be some temptations that come back up. You say, one, there, there probably needs to be some time that pass. Mm-hmm. Two, you'd say pick a safe environment. Totally. Because that, that environment matters. And then you, you got to have self-awareness. So understanding. Yeah where you're at, what are, you know, oh man, like if I was at a bar, I would be drinking right now because that is, that just sounds like fun with this person. And I get that because you revert back to old tendencies or old personalities with people that you were around at that time. And here's the other thing when you're, when you, so we, I think we talk about this a lot more. I hear it from young adults a lot more around drinking. And that seems to be a lot of what it stems from is like, Hey, we used to all drink together. Now what do we do? Or how do I balance that? And so it really is 
if that person needs to be drinking for you to be friends or you need to be drinking to be friends with that person, like if you remove that and you go grab a coffee instead or you go play basketball and you're like, man, I can't stand them. This is awful. Then you start to learn, okay, maybe what we were both getting from this friendship isn't one that's going to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. And you could move them to like a monthly rotation. And you're like, oh, I'll see you once a month and it'll be fine. Any more than that. And I can't stand you. And I, and I just think friends too, like they should be excited about your growth and you should be excited about their growth and you should be encouraging each other on in that way. And so for me, I'm even thinking if, if, if that's a case where you're not excited about their growth and they're not excited about your growth, maybe they're not, um, a friend in the sense that you keep them that close in your life in those certain circumstances. Maybe they're more of an acquaintance, you know? So, and that is so hard when you're like, so tough. but we've been best friends our whole life and now you're so boring to me. <laughs> it's so funny just how much time you'll give to an old relationship that yes. doesn't make any sense anymore. Yes. Um, and so even just reassessing that, but that respect has to be mutual for any friendship or any relationship in general, um, if there isn't a mutual respect, it's very, very tough. And there are some relationships you cannot cut off like family, you know, that you're like, man, I don't need them to influence my life, but I want to have a relationship with them. So So what I want to do is just throw out a couple situations and, uh, maybe we can just break them down. Okay. What goes through our mind when we come to that? Cause these are some situations I've gotten from some young adults and let's just uh, pick your guys' brains to see how you'd handle them and what that would look like, what questions you would ask yourself before you go into this situation. So since we've been on the topic of drinking a little bit, uh, I'll kick out one of those. So a um, few months ago, got a uh, question from a young adult who mentioned, hey, we've got a buddy who's coming back in town, hasn't been in town for a long time. So there's no way I'm going to miss seeing him, Mm -hmm. but do I need to say no to this encounter? Because we are meeting up at a bar. There will be drinking, and um, that's not a part of my lifestyle now. What are some questions you would ask yourself going into that situation? I mean, I have to remember that I'm the nurturer and the caretaker of my group, so I'm always the mom. So one of the things I have to ask myself before I walk into something like that is, how much am I, like, how far am I willing to take care of them? So when they, because my friends will always out drink me in any situation like that, because I'm not there to over and like, I don't want to ever be drunk or tipsy or anything like that. So I'm like, Oh, I also don't want to be responsible for taking care of you by the end of the night. Sure, That's not fun to me. And so for me, I have to ask myself, am I willing to walk away at a certain point tonight when they become too much for me? And if I'm not, like if I know that I'm too – because for me, I'll get super Mm -hmm. weak and I'll just be like, okay, fine, I'll take care of everyone. And then I am really mad the next day and I hate all of them. And so I'm like, okay, I have to know that. I also have to know that what has my week looked like? Am I going to be okay walking into that situation? Can I enjoy their company even if my like limit I'm setting is way different? And are we going out to this bar because it's like that's our old stomping ground, so that's the place everyone wants to go, or is it just because no one offered to host it at their house? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, can I host it? Is that help everyone? So I don't know. I just ask myself those things, and then I would go, and I would probably have an escape route planned if I needed it. So I have the person that's going to call me and say, hey, I need you if I need out, or I'm going to be strong enough to say, hey, 
so good to see you. I love you guys. I've got to go because I have work tomorrow. I have this tomorrow. And Yeah, that's a good way to kind of test the waters yeah. to set a end time. Hey, well, I, I know I got to take off at this time. Um, and, and that's, you know, hey, if you if that went well and yeah. you know, man, I, a lot of people have actually changed and um, uh, man, they are super respectful of me and where I'm at now in my faith journey. That's awesome. Uh, and a lot of times I feel like when I've walked into that situation, when it's everyone's been apart for forever and you come back together, there's usually you end up finding out, oh, most of us are growing up and there's like one who yeah. isn't. Mm-hmm. So there's usually still one kid left in the group. And you're like, oh, wow. And then you find the rest of us are all watching. The one kid still act crazy and you think, hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, scenario number Ooh. two. Okay. We're going to try out every pronunciation of that word today. Scenario. Um, yes. Yeah, so scenario, scenario number two. Uh, we've got a person that is single. Um, they have a wedding coming up. They uh, are, are maybe asked to to uh, have a date at the wedding. So, you know, obviously people like to go to weddings together. It's kind of a romantic thing, but you can definitely go as friends. That's a common thing. Mm-hmm. You can throw it out as a friend Absolutely. and then we'll just see what happens while we're there type of deal. I've seen that happen over and over and over again. And, you know, now there's multiple variables of – um, of, of things that you're looking at, you know, you, you've got a history of, man, I, I, I don't want to live the life of the one night stand, uh, but I do have a history of sexual temptation. Like that's it, as most people probably do. Um, and so how do you navigate that? What do you do? What do you set in place? Same thing, or is it a little bit different? Bryce, do you want to tackle any part of this? Well, as a, as a single guy, I feel like I should. Uh, as an eligible bachelor. We got to throw that out <laughs> I mean, I was a professional bridesmaid hey, before right? I got married, so uh, I'll wrap it up, but you yeah. go ahead. Well, I love that. I, I think there's there's nothing wrong with going with uh, someone to a wedding. Um, I think it's just, for me, it would be coming down to the clarifying like the intention of what we are and what's actually going on because I've gone to a friend uh, our wedding with a fr- you know a friend and we very clearly were on the same page of like hey we are friends that doesn't mean we can't have fun together that doesn't mean we can't dance or do things but there is a boundary a natural boundary that comes with that and natural conversation we're not going to go into and so I think it also comes down to like how well do you know that person because if it's someone you don't know very well um, then it might be harder to set that boundary or that expectation going in. I think it could be kind of a gray area if the mindset is, hey, I'm going to go. Uh, and, you know, I think we're friends. It's prob- we're probably friends. But if something happens, like, oh, you know, I'm excited for that. Let's see where it goes. And I would say if you're the guy asking and you do want it to be something more than just friends, I would clarify that. I would say, hey, I would love to take you on a date to a wedding I have coming up. And just verbalize that. And I know that's tough. I know that's scary. But um, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, so DTR and boundaries. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. A lot of times what I would do too is I would look at who else got invited to this. Or I would ask mm. my friends and be like, yeah. hey, Bryce, are you going to this wedding? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, of course. I'm not going to miss that. Great. Are you taking anyone? Or am I going to be the only one by myself there? And if he's not taking anyone and I've got a group of friends, then I'm like, well, I don't need to just take a fake date. I have a group of friends to hang with. Absolutely. So I've also been in the situation where it's an out-of-town wedding and you don't know anyone but the bride and maybe a couple of her family. 
And so then you go and you really do feel like totally by yourself. You're like, maybe I should take someone, but I don't really want to take someone because now we're talking about it's out of town and it that creates a lot of awkward conversation of how do we travel to an out of town wedding together when we're not together um, to respect those boundaries and even the appearance of what could be a lack of boundary. So oftentimes this is such a cop out what I would do. I would go by myself and I would just volunteer to help with crap. So I'd be like, oh, I'll clean that up. I'll clean that up because what else am I going to do right now? Or like, I'll help with that. And so I would somehow assign myself a job because I didn't want to tackle the out-of-town date. Mm -hmm. Locally, though, I totally think it was like I've taken friends to weddings before. I've gone with friends to weddings before. And it was always that clear communication of what is this. So I'm not walking in pretending to be your girlfriend for your great aunt Susan <laughs> who wants to know why you're still single. Because great aunt Susan this? will ask. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. how I always brought it up because it's a little bit awkward. But I'm like – Hey, when your great aunt Susan asks who I am, how are you answering the question? Because <laughs> that's, that's don't surprise <laughs> me by then like me being your fake girlfriend when we show oh, up for no. this. That's not happening. <laughs> I'm not going to rub your back and let like your ex-girlfriend think that there's something here. Um, the so, motions Jody is making. Oh, right. <laughs> so I'm like, let's not, let's not surprise each other yep. with what this is. So it's all about that communication. Yep. But I think the out of town ones where it gets really complicated. Yeah. of that boundary and knowing what is safe for you, knowing what that even appears to the outside eye that sees you traveling and taking pictures. And they're like, oh, wow, you went to six states away and you took someone with you. How'd that work out? Logistically, how did that work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if it is, if it honestly is more fun, like the idea of going by yourself and just getting to see your other friends who you haven't caught up in a while and not having the pressure or the expectation of bringing someone, then I say go by yourself and have fun. Yeah. I love it. And, and what I'm hearing a, a lot of is clarity, 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 oh, yeah. clarity, no surprises. The more ambiguous this is, the more opportunity for failure. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. And Let's be honest. Most of us have learned that lesson because we accidentally went to something without clarity. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you're dancing during the dancing portion of a wedding, which is a normal thing to do. And they're looking at you with these longing eyes. And you're like, I think something just happened here. And <laughs> it's never happened to me. But I like, Not oh, what we talked about. So time out. Someone save me. Oh, man. <laughs> please, please play the Cupid Shuffle right yeah, now. Turn off Chris Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Hey, well, that's all we got time for today. Um, one last big takeaway. Do we, do we have one thing that we want to leave, you know, somebody with, or, Hey, Hey, what's the next step here? Um, what do you guys think? What hit you? What stuck out to you? I think just in terms of trying to bridge the old life and the new life, just approaching every situation, um, out of, of love and just out of like wanting, um, to invest in the other person because you care about them. And I think if you naturally have that, I think everything else will work itself out. Yeah. I mean, I would just take a note from Jesus and don't be weird about it. Jesus navigated tricky situations in different groups of people really well because his focus in each of those was the people, not the, not all the other stuff. Yep. That I love it. I love it. Well, hey, uh, just remember, if you have any questions, you can always email us at whatisthepoint at northpointchurch.tv. Longest email ever, whatisthepoint at northpointchurch.tv. But anyway, we'll see you next week. See you guys.